Glory. How's everybody today? It's a great day, amen? It's a great, great day. You know, I was thinking, you know, all the announcements and everything going on, how that being a part of a, of a group of people, no matter what it is, being a part of something and dedicating yourself to being a part and being committed to that is something that you have to learn. When, when no one's, I mean, you don't really have to do it. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be committed here. You don't have to do things to help and be a part. You know, you can just leave. I mean, nobody's going to chase you down. I mean, if you just leave, we're going to find out if you're okay or you're not offended, but you don't, you don't have to be here. And being committed to something that we believe, the reason we're here is because we believe that God's about His house. And, and the house of God is the church of God, which is the body of Jesus Christ, and we're, we're advancing it. When Jesus left the earth, He gave a commission to His disciples in that day, and it's been duplicating ever since. And, and what we're all about is becoming disciples of Jesus and then duplicating ourselves in other people. And we're all called to do that individually, day to day, because everybody sitting here today lives in a different world than the person sitting next to you. In most cases, you don't go and you're not in front of the exact same people, not in, in, any two people, even if you live in the same house. Even if you're married or whatever, you, you know, everybody's going to see different people all the time. So we're called to individually be that church and be that to people. But there's something about having and being a part of something that's bigger than you are that is a strength that when you are ministering to people one-on-one and they see something different in your life and you can attribute that to what you're connected to. It's not that you're connected just to gates of the city, but what gates of the city is and what it represents is a piece of the body of Jesus Christ. And people need to know what that looks like and commitments that people make. When I look out in in this group of people, I see committed people that have committed themselves and, and volunteered to be a part of this place and to grow this place because growth is about more people understanding who they are in Christ understanding that the benefits and, and every song that was sung today was like prophetic in regards to what I'm saying right now about the promises of God and the person of the Holy Spirit I'm telling you people in the world will not teach you about the Holy Spirit who is your helper they won't teach you um, I went I attended uh, elementary school. Actually, I attended kindergarten first. Mrs. Black's kindergarten. It was in her home from the time I was four years old till the time I was six. And she never taught me about the Holy Ghost. And then from Mrs. Black's, I went to the first grade and second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth at Conley Elementary School in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Nobody ever taught me about the Holy Ghost. Nobody. Nobody. Then I went from 7th, 8th, and ninth to Lynn Junior High School. Nobody ever taught me about the Holy Spirit. 
Then from 10th, 11th, and 12th, I went to Las Cruces High School, the Bulldogs. I was a bulldog. Huh? But they never taught me about the Holy Ghost. Then I went two years to Midland Junior College in Midland, Texas. Never, not one time did they ever teach me about the Holy Ghost. Then I went to New Mexico State University in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Great school. All those schools are great schools. And they taught what they taught, but they never taught me about the Holy Spirit. I didn't learn about the Holy Spirit until I was invited to a place that was a result of, it was a, a two-day meeting conference that, they were, that this church was hosting, and this church had volunteers, and they were all coming together, and they brought a person in, and that day, literally, I became convinced about being born again. I had made a confession when I was about five or six years old with a man that had just asked me if I wanted to know Jesus. And I didn't, I didn't go to church, and my family didn't, and I didn't know anything about Jesus. And he just asked me that, and I said yes. And so when I was five or six years old, I made a confession, but nobody ever taught me about believing and walking it out. And believing it and walking it out came to me the day that somebody told me and gave me information that nobody else taught me. I remember leaving that meeting thinking, either this guy's a liar or everybody else has been lying to me. That's what I, I, I left that meeting thinking that. Where did this come from? Nobody ever taught me this. Nobody ever talked about this. Nobody ever talked about faith in God. Nobody ever talked about the Bible being the Word of God. Nobody ever taught me that. And they won't. That's why we need this place. That's why there needs to be places like this that teach the Word of God and teach people about the Holy Spirit because you and I weren't created to live on this earth with no help. We were created to live on this earth with help. And that's the, the Holy Spirit's the, 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 the best name in our English language that can, that can define Him is the helper. Not the doer, the helper. He wasn't created to do things for you. He was created to help you to learn how to be a doer. And without the Holy Spirit, I mean, it's pretty much on your own. And that's part of being under the curse. Because what happened the day Adam and Eve gave it up and sinned in the garden is that man then, by the sweat of their brow, began to learn to meet their needs and make things come to pass without God. And, and for the most part, even in this country and around the world, if you don't know God, you may even have a, a, an understanding of God or you may have heard some things about God. People may have. But <clears throat> there's, there's no understanding of how to live on planet earth without a real revelation from God and understanding and knowing who God is. And that's what, that's what the church is about. The church is here to teach people how important that is. And so I'm just telling you today that commitment to something bigger than you will cause things in your life to come to pass. 
And that was just free. That wasn't even my message. I'm just telling you and encouraging you that it's a great thing to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. There's no greater group or organization that you can be connected to than the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you what, we're winning. How many people a day are being saved? Over 6,000 people are being saved every day on planet Earth. 6,000 people are being added to the church every day on planet Earth. And that's the low end. If you divide up the 200 and what is it, 90 or 292 countries that there are around the world, that's about 30 people per country. So we've got a lot of work to do, right? We've got a lot of work to do. Everybody say, we've got a lot of work, right? But your commitment to something bigger than you is, is causing you to play a part in that. And that's, that's why we're here, and that's what we're here to accomplish. Glory to God. So, that's not my message, but that's, that was a good word anyway, right? So today, we're continuing in our series... Our series on thankfulness and the title of our, of our series has been The Great State of Gratitude. Great State of Gratitude. And we've talked about gratitude, thankfulness, being grateful is a mindset. It's not something that you're just going to naturally do. It's something that you've got to train your mind, train your emotions, train your body to follow through with. And as the song we are singing today, no matter how you feel or how things look, God and, and the Holy Spirit is there to help you to give thanks and to thank God. Not thank God because of things, maybe that are negative or whatever, but thanking God in the midst of wherever you're at. And that thankful heart is what will bring you to another place. It'll set you in a place or in a position that you've never been before as, as, you, as it becomes a way of life. Not just something, like Dahlia was saying earlier, you know, tithing isn't something that you just do once. Giving thanks isn't something you try for about three days to see what's going to produce. It becomes a state of mind. Right? It becomes an, an attitude of your heart. It becomes something that you believe in. And so, as I said Wednesday night, that I'm going to follow through with today is that thankfulness becomes a weapon. It becomes a weapon to overcome situations that you face. It becomes a weapon that, that is in your life coming out of your mouth and in the natural it doesn't even seem sensible to do. Why would I, why would I give thanks to God because uh, you know I'm my bank account's in the red. I mean, why, why, why would I give thanks to God because my body's been attacked with something? Why would I give thanks to God? And that's what we're going to talk about today. About giving thanks and praying with an attitude of thankfulness because of what you know. Not thanking God for sickness and disease or something that's attacked your body not thanking him for the sickness but thanking him 
based on 1 Peter 2.24 that says, By His stripes I am healed. And Lord, I thank You for it. So, I'm just going to read a few verses that we've already looked at. Um, just as a reminder, Psalm 100 has been our foundational Scripture that we've, that we've looked at. Make a joyful noise, verse 1. Make a joyful noise or a shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made you and not you yourself. We are His people. We're the sheep of His pasture. Then He says in verse 4, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. You know, taking the Word of God, which is the promises of God, and putting those words in your mouth and acknowledging God is a form of thanksgiving. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that a verse of Scripture? Okay. And, and is it something that you know, you don't have to answer this, but I'm just asking, is it something that you know is true and is our God's promises absolute? I'm telling you today, God's promises are absolute and when you read something, And when you draw from the revelation of that verse of Scripture, and it becomes real to you, and nothing can talk you out of it, then nothing can stop that from manifesting. Nothing can. When you believe it. So, today we're going to talk about three things that produce powerful prayers of thanksgiving that create manifestation. Powerful prayers of thanksgiving that produce manifestation. So, today the subtitle message that I have is the power of a thankful prayer. The power of of a thankful prayer. There's power in thanksgiving. There's power in what we say that produces. Now, I want you to think about a couple things. So if if you... um, You know, there's been been different movies or shows through the years. Um, There was a... There was a sitcom when I was growing up called I Dream of Jeannie. Anybody ever remember that sitcom? All these people that are over 40. I Dream of Jeannie. And she had this, what what was it she had? It was like a a little bottle deal, yeah, but it was, yeah, whatever. Some bottle, and, and so when somebody wanted something, they'd ask for it, and then she would produce it. And, you know, the, the Aladdin movies and the different ones, and, and it's kind of, you know, three wishes and, and, uh, and, and something manifest and come to pass. So, 
What if everything that you ask for, you got? (laughs) If everything that you ask for, you got, would you keep asking? I want a million dollars right now. I want everything to change you know, in, in, in your life. Think of the things that you could ask for. You, you know, I think that most people think that you really can't ask for something that in their mind they don't feel like they deserve. And so, one of the big problems, and James chapter 5 tells us this, one of the reasons that people don't have is because they don't ask. James 5 says this. Go read James 5. You have not because you ask not, and you ask and receive because you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. In other words, you're asking the wrong things, first and foremost, but you're not asking with an assurance and an expectation that you have a right to receive. Because the ways that we pray, many times, are prayers of unbelief. When God, what God intended for us to do is to pray prayers of believing that receive. If you watch the life of Jesus, and you watch everything that He did, Jesus never performed one miracle because He was the Son of God. Not one. Not one. Every miracle, everything that manifested, manifested because He obeyed and believed everything that the Father said. He said, I didn't come here to do my will, I came here to do the will of my Father. Everything that he did, he did as the Son of Man, as our elder brother. God set it up this way. This is not downplaying the Son of God and what he accomplished. This is just what God says. That's what his word says. You need to understand that he didn't do miracles as the Son of God. He didn't come to the earth to try to have to prove to people that he was something that he already was. He left the riches of heaven to come to the poverty of this earth to become like you and I so he could relate to you and I so then we could follow in his footsteps and get the same results in our lives that he got in his. You boil it down, that's what what it's all about. One of the things that, if if you've never read the Gospels, I really encourage you to read the Gospels. I'm on a journey right now in the Gospels that I've been on for a while and I just, I can't get it. It's like the more I read of the Gospels, I just can't get enough of them because they're the li- it's all about the life of Jesus. And one thing that Jesus was in an overwhelming fashion is He was thankful. He was thankful. He was grateful. He was thankful for God in the midst of everything. Remember when all those people, there was two different situations where He 
He fed 5,000 men, not including the women and children, and 4,000 men, not including the women and children, two different situations. What happened is he would teach, and then he'd go off, and they'd all follow him. And then he'd teach, and they'd go, he'd go off, and they'd all follow him. And, and they got way out, and it was almost dark, and nobody had anything to eat except in one situation, a couple fish and some loaves of bread. And the disciples said, what are we going to do? And you know what they did? They took what they had and they gave thanks. <laughs> and, and they fed, I mean, you know, the, these are Jews. And the Jews had some kids. Huh? So this wasn't 5,000 men. This is 5,000 men. Five. You know, okay, there's some single guys there, I guess. You know, so we'll just say 4,000 women. And if the 5,000 men had two kids each, we'll say the 4,000, because say there's 1,000 single guys. And if 4,000 of them had two children, that's 8,000 kids. And I promise you, it, it, was, it was a minimum of three per family. So with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread, they probably fed close to 20,000 people. And there was one thing that caused that to happen. A thankful heart. Probably 20,000 people. And he didn't do that because he's the Son of God. He did that as the anointed, Spirit-filled, listening to the voice of the Spirit, which is the voice of the Father through the Holy Spirit. And he did what Father said, and what happened? Boom, it produced. Because he gave thanks. Amen? He didn't look at the circumstances. Look, I mean, the odds look rough. 20,000 people... Kids are crying. I'm hungry. I want something to drink. I want something to eat. All this going on. I mean, it, was, it, it could have ended up being chaos. And what happened? Scripture that we read Wednesday night in Ephesians 4. He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what? And the peace of God. Like pouring oil over a person's body and just going all the way down. What happened over that 20,000 plus probably group of people or however many it was? The peace of God just settled over that. When something supernaturally, something beyond the natural, something that doesn't make any sense, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened. Except, the Bible says so, I believe the Bible and Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do, and even greater works because I've gone to the Father. Will it, will it work for us if we do what He does? Can you say amen? 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, 17 or 18, whatever it is that we've been reading, says, uh, 16 through 18 there, it says, um, Rejoice always. That's one verse. The next verse says, pray without ceasing. And the next verse says, and in all things give thanks, 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks. You know what? Then that leaves no room for anything else. No complaining, no focusing on what's not working, but in everything give thanks. And that's what God's will is for your life. And if you do the will of God the way Jesus did, the works that He did, you'll do an even greater works, and you'll see the same manifestations come to pass when you need manifestation. That's the way it works. People need to know this. People need to be encouraged that thankfulness, an attitude of gratitude, is something that has to be developed. It's not something that's just going to manifest Because we do nothing. It's got to be developed to where thankfulness becomes a weapon that every time there is potential to be ungrateful and unthankful and unforgiving and potentially moaning and groaning and complaining about what's not happening, that in the moment you shut all that stuff down. So, So does it seem like that the more thankful we get, that the more opportunities for unthankfulness will come your way? That's the way it works. So, when I'm convinced that thankfulness is a weapon and it shuts down the pressure that unthankful attitudes or situations produce, when I realize that, then I put it to work. I'm preaching this morning, and I had to exercise it in Starbucks drive through this morning. Pull into the driveway, Starbucks, come, take the first left. This lady pulls right in front of me. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I just bless you. I thank you that your word is true. Can't invite this lady to come to church. If I chew her out, give her a piece of my mind. So... We move, she comes up to the thing, she starts ordering. And five minutes later, she's still ordering. Everybody else is already out of line and she's still there and still ordering. Father, I just thank you. I'm going to go preach this, I better be thankful. Finally, a couple of minutes later, she pulls up. I order my one black cup of coffee that took less than five seconds to order. I know Sean personally. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Okay, I'm good. Just my regular. Okay. Fifteen minutes later. Maybe a little bit more, but without exaggeration. Fifteen minutes later, as I saw, four cups come out. Another vente of something. Another one. Another one. And two cars behind me. Oh my gosh, did I want to do that. And I pulled up, 
Got my gold card, you know, my Starbucks gold card. She's still on the way out, and oh, I just, I, I mean, I wanted to just bump her. I've been in the Starbucks drive-thru for no less than 20 minutes. But when I got up there, and Sean was stressed. Because the line was now to the coming in. And I just looked at him and said, hey, it's no big deal. He said, I'm really sorry. No, no, no. It's really no big deal. It's 20 minutes. At least my house wasn't bombed. Right? I mean, Starbucks is still here. Right? I mean, I felt like blowing it up, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I had to practice, and it had to be a weapon, and I had to start thinking about other people. And you know what? When you, when you start doing that, the Holy Spirit inside of you will tell you what the truth is. And you know, you know what I got a sense of? Is this woman was taking a bunch of drinks and blessing a bunch of people. So why did I even get worked up at all? So the next 25-minute adventure that I have at Starbucks, I'm going to be even better. I'll be better. I mean, I was good, but I'm going to be better. Amen? Why? Because the whole time I was meditating and thinking and thanking God for my wife. I was, th I was thanking God for my children. I was thanking God for this church. I was thanking God for all the relationships that I have. I was thanking God that I'm alive. I was thanking God, you know, for the people in Paris. Begin to pray for the people in Paris because the power of a thankful prayer produces much. Amen. And there's three things, <clears throat> and I'm going to end it with this today. There's three things that I want you to think about in producing powerful, thankful prayers. Okay? Three things. Number one, consecration. Consecration. Mark 11 and verse 22. How to produce powerful, powerful, thankful prayers that produce and create manifestation. Mark 11, verse 22. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. The first thing that you have to have is consecration. Have faith in God, but you do that by consecrating your heart to a place of prayer. Philippians 4, you can go back and look at it. Again, I just I quoted it earlier, but I'm going to say it again, starting with verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication. Through prayer and supplication. In other words, supplicating. There are different forms and types of prayer, and I'm not going to go into that right now except to say this. 
One of the one of the most important things in understanding how to pray is consecrating yourself to the will of God and to the word of God. So when I know what the will of God and the word of God says about a situation, then I can go before the Lord and say, "Lord, I thank you that 1 Peter 2:24 says that by the stripes of Jesus what he accomplished 2000 years ago is so today." And Lord, I thank you today that I am the healed in Christ. And I worship you and I praise you. I thank you for strength coming to my body. And this is when th- these are things you can say every day even when your body doesn't feel bad. When things in the financial world are not working exactly right for you. Going before the Lord and thanking him. Lord, I thank you that your word says that um that you supply all of my needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Every need in my life is supplied. And Lord, I thank you today. I'm not moved by what I see. My faith and confidence is not in the supply and the provision of the world or my job or what anybody else can do for me. My provision and my faith is in you. And when you practice these things, What's happening is you're consecrating yourself to what the will of God is. So there's two different worlds. There's the world of what you see and hear and feel, and there's the world of what God says is so. And and what brings you out of the world of what you see and you hear and you feel into the world of knowing what God says is so is thankfulness. When Jesus looked out over those 20,000 people and his disciples could see no McDonald's right no drive-throughs that they could go through and get a bunch of tacos and Jesus said no 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 we're going to we're, we're going to we're going to take this to the father And what's going to happen is people are going to realize how real God is. Because this is an impossible situation. Anybody ever face something that seemed impossible? Okay, that's that world. But in this world, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. 16-year-old girl, angel comes to her and says, You're going to bear a child. She's never been with a man. It's impossible. How am I going to have child? And he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. She said, so be it according to the Word of God. We have to become people that are so be it people according to the will of God. But it comes through consecrating ourselves to what the will of God is. In other words, getting my mind wrapped around things that seem impossible and learning with a thankful heart to put out there what the Word says, even in the natural when it doesn't seem like it's so. You're having trouble with people on a day-to-day basis. You're having trouble with people at work or spouses or children or friends or whatever. You're having trouble with issues with people. <clears throat> the world says, do what? You're at work. you got some people, 
you got people that are talking bad about the boss, or then they end up talking bad about you and they're saying things they shouldn't say. You might be in a school situation. You might be in all different type family situations and those kind of things. Well, you need to protect yourself. You need to make sure that, you know, that, that, that their words don't hurt you. So you need, to, you need to come against them and say things about them and talk the problem. That's what the world says. That's this world. Over, over here in this world, this world tells us, call those things which be not as though they were. You want to see somebody change? What are you saying about them? Yeah, but you don't know what they did. No, but God does. And He said, if you keep talking about what they did to you, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. What you've got to do is call those things which be not as though they were. In other words, you start talking about that person and start speaking the will of God and, and the truth of God's Word over them and things will change. That's what He says. But if you don't believe that, you won't do it. You might try it a couple times, but then they'll do something really ugly and then it gets worse. Why? Because it's not a state of mind. You don't really believe that what you say is going to come to pass. So number one, consecration. Number two, out of Mark 11, verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, whatever things that you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. How can you believe that? If you consecrate yourself to what the will of God is. Looking beyond your understanding. Going beyond what seems right. There, there's, not, there's not a miracle in the Bible or a manifestation in the Bible that in the natural seemed right. Abraham and Sarah. It just doesn't seem right. You don't even like to think about that. It doesn't seem right, right? Uh, Joseph in a prison. And an hour later, he's number two in all the world. That didn't even make any sense. That things don't just happen like that. Everything that happened in the Bible and all the stories of the Bible, they all started with things that didn't seem right and the manifestations came. Why? Because of people that believed and had faith. Number two, the key to it is having faith in God. How many times when you read in the Gospels did Jesus tell people, your faith has made you whole? Woman with the issue of blood, 12 years she's been bleeding. Spent everything that she had, everything and more, probably borrowed money and everything else, and nothing changed for her. And now she hears some teaching of Jesus. She said, Hey, if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. So she gets dressed, she goes out. She finds where he's teaching. He's walking through the city. She comes up behind him. People are thronging him. She said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. That's what she said. Boom. She touched him. Instantly, virtue went through her body. She was made whole. Did that cost her a dime? No, she spent all her money. She spent everything that she had on physicians. And she went and she touched his garment and he said, your faith has made you whole. She came, 
she came before him with a thankful heart. She came before him with a humble heart. She came before him knowing that something that she received healed her body. Did he, did Jesus give her permission? Did Jesus give her permission to touch him? No. Why? Because it was already there for her. It was already, it was already there. The Bible says that Jesus, in God's eyes, was crucified at the foundation of the world. It was already prepared for her, and she touched his garment. She said, if I can do it, and she did it, and it happened. Doesn't make sense. Twelve years, nobody could help her, and all she did was touch his garment. No, that's not all she did. She believed that what she said was going to come to pass, and she had what she said. And he said, in verse in 24, he said, he said, whatever things you ask when you pray. What did I tell you out of James 5? People have not because they ask not. They ask and receive not because they don't believe that what they're saying is really going to come to pass. Why? Because they don't consecrate themselves to know what the will of God is versus what the will of the world says. The will of the world is based on what you see, you hear, and you feel. The will of God is based on what this says and then this revealed by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit reveals it to us and we know it and we ask, we receive based on the will of God. The third thing that produces powerful prayers, thankful prayers, is patience. James 1.5 or 1.3 Look at that real quick. Well, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, is, it produces what? Patience. And then it says, Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen, patience is not being a person that sits around and does nothing. Patience is an active word. And it's, there's action to it. Because when I say something that I believe I have a right to, and I receive that, if I don't see it today or tomorrow or next week or next month, patience has to have its perfect work. Hebrews 6.12 says, it's through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Faith and what? Patience. They connect. I heard a guy preach a message on this years ago, probably 30 years ago, called Faith and Patience, the Power Twins. And that's what they are. You, can, you, you will not receive the promises of God through faith only. And you will not receive the promises of God just being a patient person. You have to consecrate yourself to the will of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So as you're hearing the Word today, if you do something with what, with what I'm talking about today, and it becomes a part of you, 
and you practice that thankful attitude and that thankful heart and giving thanks to God today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, you're developing patience that what? Let patience have its perfect work that you will be perfect or mature and complete, lacking in nothing. I don't know. (laughs) That's a good word. There's a good promise right there. The promises of God are, yes. Lord, is it your will? Yes. Lord, is it your will? Yes. When what you're asking God and putting before God is His Word. Is it your will for me to be healed? Yes. Promises of God are yes and amen. But the Son of Man was the perfect example for you and I to fall after. So we have to understand why His life produced and understand in areas where our life isn't. But His life produced so that where I'm not producing, I can produce. Not looking at what's not producing and thinking, okay, it's over with. You know, I'm not like someone else. I'm not doing enough today. No, no, no. God takes us right where we're at. And God, Jesus, what He produced is what we were created to produce. And even more. Why? Because now He's at the right hand of the Father, and now all of us can get together and, and, and see the same type of things manifest day to day when it is His will in our life. That's what the Holy Spirit brings to us, is knowing what His will is. Now, I'm going to end with this in James 5. James 5 and verse 13. <clears throat> is anyone among you suffering? Let him do what? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Seems like all of that that is wrapped up in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks. I see that right here. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith. Everybody say the prayer of faith. Prayer of faith. Listen to me. There's many different types of prayers. There's prayers of consecration when you're not sure about the will of God. And you say, well, okay, God do this. Well, we don't just throw something out there and call it a prayer of faith when it's really a prayer of consecration. Lord, man, I'm struggling with this. I'm not seeing results, Lord. I'm not seeing things happen in my life. Lord, I, I, I've, I've confessed the word and I've not seen this happen. Lord, I'm, I'm just coming before you. Those are prayers of consecration. There's nothing wrong with those kind of prayers. But those aren't prayers of faith that are, try, that are attempting to produce results. You're coming before God because something's not working out and you're asking for wisdom. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit in you will help you to understand. That's a prayer of consecration. God, I want to know what, 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 I know, I know that what's not happening is not because of you. I'm missing it somewhere. There's something that I need to see about this. Notice right here, he said, and the prayer offered in faith will do what? It does a lot. It'll save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. The prayer of faith will cause amazing things to happen and come to pass. And you and I need to be in a place of thanksgiving daily, where thanksgiving is a weapon, where things get stopped 
and shut down because of what I'm saying out of my mouth. Let's just say today when I was at Starbucks that, I mean, you know, maybe you don't see me this way, but man, there was a day that after a while, just when the lady was ordering, I could have rolled my window down. Hey, what the crud? Been here five minutes. There, there was a day I could have done something like that. What if I'd have done that today? I know the guy. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know that I know the lady in the car, but I know the guy that's taking the orders. And then the lady takes up, and I zoom up there. Man, what's the, what, what, what's the deal? I've been here five minutes, six minutes, maybe seven minutes. What's, it, what's happening? The guy on the other side there, my life has been ministering to him for years. And all of a sudden, because I get impatient, not patient, but impatient, all of a sudden, in one situation, over something taking seven minutes that should have taken 45 seconds, it's all out the door. Ugly things can happen when we're not patient and when we're not in faith and we're not actively every day consecrating ourselves to what the will of God is. Amazing, ugly things can happen. And stuff like that happens all the time. And people have, you know, they have a a reputation for being a person with a short fuse and not liking this and not liking that or a reputation of whatever it is. I just use that as an example. You apply your life to whatever the situation is. You begin to have a reputation of being a person that complains about everything. Reputation that, you know, that uh, people around you can do nothing right. Reputation that, you know, that the world is against you and people owe you and the world. I mean, all types of reputations that people... And and you can sit there and say, yeah, I know somebody like that. I know somebody like that. And maybe somebody thinks that about you. I'm telling you, When you're rejoicing always, you're praying without ceasing, and you're giving thanks in all things, there's no time to complain. And that's what we have to practice every day. And that's what that weapon of thanksgiving will produce. It will produce the ability to feed 20,000 people. I don't know that they... Well, the ability is there. If that's the will of God for you to feed 20,000 people with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread, it'll manifest. If it's the will of God for you through thanksgiving to have so much in your life that you pay for other people's debt and get people out of debt. There's a couple of different stories in the Bible where a floating axe head created debt freedom. I mean, know that axe heads don't float. This one did. And that guy was out of debt of what he owed to that guy. Situations where people that seemed impossible, the woman with the issue of blood, like we said, right after that story of the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' daughter, she had eventually died because Jesus got you know, distracted with the woman with the issue of blood. 
And by the time he got to Jairus' house, she was dead. Through thanksgiving, the potential is there if it's the will of God for you to raise the dead. The works that he did, you'll do in even greater works. But the thing that he had over all of humanity, the one thing that he had, he had a lot of things, but one thing that he had is he had a thankful heart. And he always went to the Father and he thanked him. Remember the story that he told? <clears throat> Jesus told the story about the ten lepers. I found something out. How many know about the story of the ten lepers in the Bible? Anybody heard that story before? A few people? I found something out. And I don't, you know, this is from someone else, so I don't know that this is absolutely true or not. <clears throat> but actually, when you read in, I think it's in Mark 14, before he was taken to be crucified, he was at a leper's house. And I read a story that that leper, and, and again, this, I'm, I'm, I read it from someone else, so I, this may not be true, but I read a story that the ten lepers, there was only one that came back and did what? Thanked him. Gave thanks. And that that leper was there with Jesus and was part of the ministry and part of the ministry after Jesus left. And it was, he was part of of the church of Jesus Christ after when Jesus ascended upon high. Why? Because he was a man of thankfulness. He was grateful and thankful. What happened to the other nine? Don't know, but I promise you they probably all died of leprosy. Because without a thankful heart, things come back on us and they overtake us. All month, this is the month of thanksgiving, gratitude and gratefulness. We've been posting on social media, and I'm telling you, it's affecting people. You know, after a while, you know, after about six or seven days, people get annoyed with it. But after 14, 15 days, it's catching on. Why? Because it takes patience. You have to patiently continue to post, continue to do things, continue to put things up there, and it'll affect people's lives. Because I'm telling you, ungratefulness is like a cancer. It, it contaminates but thankfulness, I won't compare it to a cancer, but thankfulness is, is something that gets on you and it overtakes you and, and it causes people to become thankful when you're thankful. And, and, and listen, this isn't just a 26-day challenge. This is 26 days and beyond. To see that weapon of thankfulness cause us to be in a place where we see our prayers answered because the rest of that verse that we just read, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Amen? Amen? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous and a thankful man or woman accomplishes much.